Hi, welcome to the Inspire Church podcast. Thank you for tuning in. But before you listen to the message, we want to celebrate that we have met our match. We were granted a matching grant, and in a month and a half, we made it. So thank you, friends and family, for your generosity. We are eternally grateful. My introduction, have you ever seen a head too big for its body? Some of you are like me. <laughs> Have you ever seen a head too big for its body? Well, this is the image of an immature church whose head is Christ and whose body is failing to function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this is the series that we've entitled Gifted. We're going to take the next several weeks to go through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, supernatural Spirit-empowered, unique abilities and talents for the body to use to build one another up. And if you were here last week, we talked about uh, uh, Jesus Christ and how he came to serve. He did not come to be served, but to serve, to lay his life down and how the church with its gifts are called to serve. Um, And so this morning, we are going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to open the door, pave the way as we, in the continuing weeks, begin to look at different gifts. Um, And again, um, actually, I want to put up a photo for you. Some of you might be familiar with this uh, movie. Um, I've never myself watched it. (laughs) Of course not. I would never watch anything like that. No, seriously. I didn't even mean that. I've never watched. Is this called Grown Ups? No. Step Brothers. Okay, so there you go. I put up the picture. I don't even know what it is. Um, But I I just want you to keep that image in there. Um, It's been called uh, the Peter Pan syndrome. Anybody ever heard of the Peter Pan syndrome? Uh, Social scientists have referred to it as delayed adolescence. Some blame video games, right? You get the caricature, usually a man in his mom's basement playing video games, unmarried, no job, right? 38 years old. Um, <clears throat> some blame video games, some blame social media, uh, while others, I think rightfully so, especially some of the youngers in this room are actually, wait a minute, that's unfair. Like there's such a high rising cost of living. It's not like it used to be. You can't move out right away, right? Like it, it's just so difficult. You're paying off a, a huge debt from college, right? So others are like, no, 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 no. Like it's not, it's not a thing. We're, we're, it's, we're not, you know, our, we're not moving out and we're still staying at home and we're not getting jobs. Whatever, whatever these factors are, right? Some people call like adulting anxiety. Like I've heard that. Like some folks just have like an anxiety about taking that next step. Um, and so I, I want to this morning recognize that there are some folks, I believe you're rightfully, wisely at home. I don't mean to put you down, but there are other folks um, that we know that are really kind of minimizing responsibility, uh, putting off taking that next step, um, and they're really afraid to grow up. And though this phenomenon might be new to our culture, it's not new to the church. We have too many members and attenders who attend regularly but are not growing up, are not growing up. We have little bodies as a church when Christ is the head. And so our bodies need to grow into the head in order for us to be a healthy church. So, I th- so why don't you just, I thought I would entitle today's message, Grow Up. In fact, why don't you look at your neighbor (laughs) and tell him to grow up? (laughs) You guys are so quiet. Grow up. Look at your other neighbor and tell him, grow up. Now get out your phone. (laughs) Reverse the camera so you can see yourself and say, grow up. Grow up. Grow up. I'm not going to entitle this message, Grow Up, because people might not listen to it. And so I've decided to entitle this message, The Purpose of the Gifts. The purpose of your gift is to grow up. So with that said, let's pray and let us get into the word. Heavenly Father, would you grow us up? Would you this morning, through your word, Speak to every heart and mind in this room. 
uh, and so that we would grow up into the head, Christ, who is um, perfect, who is full, who is lovely and beautiful, and, and, and that we would move towards that beauty and move towards that fullness and perfection. I pray uh, specifically for Inspired Church that we would grow up. There's a lot of us in here. We need to grow up. And I pray that we would have the ears to hear what the Spirit is saying this morning. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And we are going to read verse 7 through 16. We'll have it for you here on the screens. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. And I want to remind you today that we are continuing again in our series called Gifted. And this is just yet another installment preparing us to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, man, I want to hear about prophecy. Like, I want to hear about tongues. And what are you going to talk about the gifts? And like, well, before we get there, we got to lay an appropriate foundation. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 16. Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 16. And the scripture says, the word of the Lord says this. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to what? Grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from who the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each pass is working properly, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Right off the bat, I'm going to state the purpose, the thesis of this entire message. The purpose of the spiritual gifts, the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to build the church up in love. Why have you been gifted by the Holy Spirit? Christian, if you're in the building, why have you been gifted by the Holy Spirit? To build the church up in love. Now, while I was reading this text You'll notice verse 7 and 8 contain two elementary principles regarding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you're interested about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and everyone is interested about the gifts. If you're interested, there are two elementary principles that I think you need to have in order to really understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the first principle is this. God is a gift giver. Amen? God is a gift giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? God gives us the greatest gift, Jesus Christ, who then gives us the gift of forgiveness and gives us the gift of righteousness and gives us the gift of joy and peace and love and eternity. God is the great gift giver. In fact, he created creation. If you go back and you look at how he created creation, day one, two, three, four, and five, notice that it isn't until day six that he creates mankind. God gifts creation to man. He creates the world in order for man to thrive and survive. This means that God is both the source and the sole distributor of the gifts. Right? God is a gift giver. He gave gifts to men. He is the source of the gift. 
And he is the distributor of the gift. And if you think about it, if God distributes the gift how he pleases, then why would you be so insecure about your gift? God has given it to you. He is predetermined strategically and purposefully to gift you. So why do you look at us someone else's gift and wish you had that? He is the source and the distributor of the gifts. Now, let me talk a little bit more about this text. The text talks about 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus ascended into heaven. Right? So the text talks about our Savior, Jesus, descending. What does that mean? He left heaven to come to earth. He put on flesh. He descended. He humiliated himself to the point of death on the cross. He was stripped. He was beaten. He was accused. He was betrayed. He was killed by his creation. Talk about humiliation. And so the, the scripture talks about that Jesus, he descended, but then he also ascended, right? He dies on the cross. And you know the story. Three days later, he rises from the dead. And, and then 40 days after his resurrection, he ascends into heaven. And then 10 days after his ascension, the Holy Spirit falls upon the church in the book of Acts. And we're told that the Spirit came in power, power. Now, I want you to get this. With Jesus gone and the Spirit present, the church was gifted by God with what, it, what has been called divine energy, supernatural power manifestations of the spirit or, or my personal favorite expressions of grace that empower the believer to do the work of the ministry. I mean, who needs Marvel in DC? Right? Maybe a world that doesn't believe in this needs Marvel in DC, but, but for the body of Christ, we have been supernaturally Endowed with power. Right, right. Who needs Superman and Batman, right? When you have Aira and Roberto. Right, who needs Wonder Woman when you have like Kat and Becca? Yeah, yeah. Right. You have Mama Patty and Papa Phil. Like people we should emulate. People that you look up to. People that you know that have been supernaturally gifted. So God is a gift giver. Now watch, here's the second elementary principle. And second, every believer is gifted. Do you know that? I, every believer is gifted. It's not just Mom, Patty, Bob, Phil. It's not just Pastor Sherry and Junior. They do all the, you know, that's the, that's the pastoral work or that's the work of counselors. Or that's the, God has given everyone a gift. We don't compete. We, we complete one another. God has given us all a gift. The text says grace was given to each one. And so, and so I just want to make a key distinction here. The Holy Spirit's gifts are not to be confused with our own like natural abilities. Right? The Holy Spirit's gifts are not to be confused with those natural abilities. Right? With what society may call gifted. Right? You might have seen gifted and think, oh, yeah, he's going to talk about this. And you don't get confused by what society calls gifted and what God calls the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? You see, society calls gifted maybe exceptional artists, musicians, pro athletes, right? Academic geniuses. And, and don't get me wrong. Those are, are God-given. Yeah. In fact, I get a little frustrated, right? You ever, you ever be with, you ever like maybe went to school with someone who like doesn't study? And they just do so well on the test. And then you get guys like me, like I spend all night long, and it's a terrible score. Just I'm angry. I'm frustrated at the Lord. I ask him why. But, but though these are gifted people, these aren't the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not to be confused with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, li I like the way that one pastor and author puts it. He categorizes, categorizes it like this. Because God is a gift giver, in creation, God gives to all mankind natural talents. In recreation, God gives to believers supernatural gifts, right? So, so God in his common grace has created all of humanity in his image. And thus there's abilities and talents given to all of humanity, right? But for those who have given their life to Christ, for those who have put their faith in Jesus, right? You've been reborn. 
It's a new birth, which means you are no longer the old creation, but you are what? New creation. And so the new creation gets a double blessing. Not only the gift and the ability and the talent that you were given naturally, but then a supernatural gift or gifts is given to you. Are you with me? But here's the dilemma. If every believer has been uniquely, strategically, supernaturally gifted by God, then why are so many believers sitting on the sidelines? Why is the church full of people not using their gifts? Why is the church full of people making little kingdom impact? Do you know what your gift is? Some of you might say, I don't. Some of you might say, I do. And then my last question is, are you using that gift? Are you using that gift? I did a little poll last night on IG just asking some Christians who follow me if they knew their gifts. And it was about 50-50. It's about 50% of people said, yes, I'm confident I know my gifts. And about 50% of people that said, actually, I don't know my gift. And um, this wasn't a surprise because a while back, a study was done by the Barna Group, which is kind of like a Christian organization that does statistics and research. And they found out that 85% of Christians knew about the spiritual gifts. So that's good. They know about it. But 50% didn't know what theirs were or felt like God had bypassed them and like only given the gifts to a few people. And and it just got me thinking and, and hear me out, hear me out. I wonder if your lack of kingdom activity and service in the body is the direct result of your ignorance to the gifts God has given you. I wonder if there's a correlation. Like, could it be if you knew the power that was in you? And if you knew the powerful one who had given you that power, like, could it be that you'd feel more alive? And more passionate. Could it be that you would feel more excited? Like, like some of you, your gift sighted. Like this so dead and dormant. That it literally is affecting your spiritual growth. There's a gift God has given you and you, because it's not activated, you think you're trying to fill things. You're trying to find, find purpose somewhere else. And what you don't know is that there's a gift that's been given to you by the Spirit of God and it's been dormant and lying there silent and you're not activating it, and you're missing out on life. Like, have you ever acted in your gift? Have you ever moved in your gift? There's life in that movement. I wonder if you knew the power that was in you and the one who gave it to you. I wonder if you knew what that was, that you'd feel more alive and passionate about the mission of the church. Maybe. I want to move to a more specific question. What are the gifts? And I'm not going to stay long on what are the gifts because we're going to take the next six weeks to really break some big gifts down. I want to move to what are the gifts, and then, and then specifically, I want to kind of land on the purpose of the gifts. What are the gifts for? What are the gifts? Well, verse 11 identifies what I would say after some study for gifts. I know it's been called the fivefold ministry, but I really think, it, according to the Greek, it really is kind of a four gifted ministry. I'm going to explain why. I think you can parse it either way. I think obviously you can find the five. But really in the way that it's written in the Greek, I, I believe it's written to explain four. Let me, let, me, let me tell you what that is. It's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and then it's the shepherd and teacher. Okay, and it could be shepherd, teacher, and I, I believe that there could be a shepherding gift and a teacher gift. But I think in this section, it's the shepherds who teach. Are you with me? Now, I want you to know this isn't an exhaustive list, <laughs> okay? This is just four or five listed in front of you. This is not an exo- exhaustive list. In fact, the New Testament, New Testament commentators' lists kind of range anywhere from 15 to 21 different spiritual gifts. And even then, it's not an exhaustive list in the, in the New Testament. And so this is why I'm excited because we're going to be covering at least 13 of them in depth over the next six weeks. 
We're going to be covering 13 in depth over the next six weeks. Like, how are you going to do 13 in six weeks? There are some gifts that kind of go together. And so we're going to be able to expound on that every week. And so I'm really excited about that. So if you're interested in the gifts, you want to know more about the gifts, you want to break them down, please make it a point to stay with us for the rest of this series. But I do want to say something briefly about the four or five that were mentioned here in the text. Just brief. I'm not going to give you everything. Again, we're going to go a little bit deeper. But I do want to say uh, something briefly about the four or five that are mentioned here in the text. Is that okay? Okay, so the first one is that he's given gifts to the church. And then the first grouping that he talks about is the, the apostles and the prophets. And I'm going to lump them together. And I'm going to tell you why. If you want to take notes and you want to go back and look at it. And be a Brian of the word, go ahead. If you just want to take my word for it, then you can take my word for it, okay? But if you're taking notes, you can go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. You can go back to Ephesians, or you can go to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. And what you'll see is that the apostles and prophets are lumped together. They're mentioned together like a bundle in those spaces. They are referred to as the ones, are you ready, who laid the foundations of the household of God. You're going to build a house, you have to what? Lay a foundation. And so what you'll find in Ephesians is the apostles and the prophets are lumped together as the ones who have what? Laid the foundations of the household of God. Are you with me? They're also, they're also, we're also told that they have received revelation from God. So the apostles and the prophets, they lay a foundation. They have received revelation from God, making it known to us. So what is this revelation? Well, the revelation is the sacred scriptures. And so the apostles and prophets were revealed by the Holy Spirit, revealed to them and gave them the Bible, your Bible, the scriptures. And the Bible is the foundation of all that we do with Jesus Christ being the chief corner. Stone, are you with me? Now I want you to listen carefully. Take note. There are no more capital A apostles. There are no more capital A apostles. There are some people who have kind of an apostolic anointing, but there are no more capital A apostles. There are no more capital P prophets. Now, there are some people that can move in a kind of prophecy, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, but there are no more capital P prophets. Why? Because there is no more new revelation. Are you here? The apostles and prophets received from the Holy Spirit, and they wrote down. They were moved, and they wrote the scriptures, and that is the foundation. There is no more new foundation. No more new revelation. Are you with me? There is no new philosophy, new ideology. There's no guru or rabbi that's hearing directly from God in a way to be able to write down or replace the scriptures. There is no man, no woman, no alien or angel for that matter who can come and add or subtract to this sacred text. Like Paul says, even if an angel appears to you and says something to take away from this gospel, then you're going to reject it. It's demonic. Right? And, and there's a lot of people that will be easily duped by supernatural occurrences. So the word of God is the foundation that has already been laid. So important. Are you with me? The foundation has already been laid so that the purpose of every spiritual gift is simply what? To build off of the foundation. Every spiritual gift is to build up off of the foundation that is the word of God. Are you with me? Secondly, he talks about the evangelists. And again, we're not going to dive super deep in this, but I do want to touch a couple of things, right? The evangelists are the heralds, right? They're They're the announcers. They're the proclaimers. They bring good news, proclaiming good news. They proclaim what good news? The good news that's contained in the revelation that has been given. Are you with me? Jesus Christ has come. The revelation has been given through the apostles and the prophets. And the heralds of the evangelists are ones that are proclaimers. Heralders, they proclaim that this good news contained in the scripture is true. And they are specifically called not to the church, but to the unbelievers. They are specifically called not to the saints, but to those who don't yet believe. And they are called to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. They are called to declare to everyone who doesn't believe that you are loved by God. 
that God is for you and not against you, and that he's done something. Though you feel far from God, he's done something to bring you close in Christ. Now, we all are called to be evangelists. We all are called. But there are unique folks who have been gifted, and it just comes with ease. And they just surround themselves with unbelievers and they're able to communicate this glorious gospel. And you know, it's funny is because, you know, what you and me, you know, we might take years to bring someone to Christ. They'll have 10 or 15 people ready to give their lives to Christ like in a weekend. Right? Billy Graham. Right? I, I, you know, he'll, he'll, and I was listening to a pastor earlier this week kind of commenting about Billy but you know he'll just get up here and he'll say something really simple you know and I was listening to the pastor and it's like they were saying Billy would say something like you know the Lord loves you the Lord loves you and Jesus has given his life for you so that you can be close to God and then like a thousand people will come to the altar <laughs> right <laughs> Now, all followers should be proclaiming the good news, amen? But evangelists have a supernatural ability, even in their simplicity, to see people come to Christ. You guys doing okay? Yeah. We also move to the shepherds and teachers. Shepherd is where we get the word pastor, right? The Greek is poimen, right? It's it's where we get pastor, pasture. You can think of sheep, flock, shepherd, all of that stuff goes together. Now, here's the thing is, once the evangelists bring in the, the Christians, once folks give their life to Christ, they are, they are taken out of the world and they are brought into the family of God. And so, what do we do? Once there becomes a flock, then we have tenders of the flock, teachers and shepherds, right, who lead and feed the sheep. The saints, the converted, those in this room that are members of Inspired Church, those who have given their life to Christ or are members of the household of God, you are to be fed and led by shepherds. Are you with me? You're placed into families called churches where, where you're led and fed. And then here's the thing, where the teachers, here's what they do. They unpack. They break down. Right? They explain the word of the Lord, the revelation. You see that? Yeah. They unpack. And go ahead, you can put that up there so people can see. They unpack, they, they break down, and, and they explain. So remember, the apostles and prophets, they lay the foundation, the word of God. The evangelists herald the word of God. They declare what Christ has done, what God has done in Christ to bring people who are far from him close. And then all these people begin to give their lives to Jesus. They're brought in. They're put into the family of God, the church. And then there are pastor, teachers who are then taking the word of God and breaking it down, explaining, unpacking. I think this is pretty simple. Now, I was having a great conversation with a young lady who's here this week. She's a little shy, so I won't say her name. Hi, Olivia. <clears throat> and as I was thinking through the sermon, we had a great conversation. And um, I've noticed, and not to really put her on blast, we were talking about this in general, but I've noticed sometime, like after some time under my preaching and teaching gift, okay, I'm gonna boast a little bit, okay? I promise I'm not gonna be prideful. But I've noticed over the years that folks that have come in and sat under my gift, I know my gift. I'm confident in my gift. I've noticed over the years that after people have sat under my preaching and teaching gift, I sometimes hear people comment about the differences between like sermons at Inspire and other places. Like I've heard that before. And I used to think that it was personal preference. Right? I used to think, well, people just really like me. I mean, look at me, you know? Right? I'm just kidding. Right? It's like, you know, you just like me, you know? Like, I used to think it was personal preference or maybe familiarity, right? Like, this, oh, man, there's just nobody like you, Pastor Phil, right? But over time, I've come to realize that it's not a preference thing. It's a gifting thing. This is going to be really important, and I really want you to hear this out. Now, maybe sometimes it's preference or familiarity, but I think... It's more of a gifting than a preferring. Let me break that down. If you ever find yourself visiting a church, 
Or maybe you move and you have to look for a new church. And if you're ever there, when the, and the preacher begins to preach, and his preaching makes you feel a kind of way. Please remember to pause and reflect. Because you are discerning where you want to go to get fed. And it's not that you miss Pastor Phil or you prefer Pastor Phil. It's been that you've been under the gift of preaching, teaching. You've been under the gift of expounding the word. And so when you sniff shallowness, I don't know if you really know what it's called. But what you need to know is that it's not because I'm not up there. It's because maybe that church isn't prioritizing the gifting and the ministry of the word. I wish I could just spray this on you because no doubt, no doubt you're going to run into this. And many of you will leave this place and because the lack of maturity, you'll settle. So my advice to you, whether you take it or leave it, is if you're ever looking for a new church, right? And hopefully it's because you moved or whatever, not because I've offended you. Please come to me first. Let's reconcile and then, hey, go and move on. You know, I'm not saying, you know, but anyway, side note. <laughs> or if you're visiting and you feel that, would you pause and reflect? Yeah. And maybe it's not, well, I love Pastor Phil. He's just so great. And maybe say, like, no, like there is a gifting of teaching and the breaking down, the unpacking, the expounding and explaining of the text, the gospel proclamation. I need that. It's not pastor. This is not hero worship. It's not pastor Phil that I need. I need the unpacking and expounding and breaking down of the revelation that's been laid. I don't need a preacher to entertain. I don't need him to tickle my ears. I don't need someone to give me a 20-minute TED talk about how life is good and how Christ can kind of come alongside you and help you fulfill all your dreams. Are you with me on that? Yeah. I want to spend some extra time there because this is me teaching you. What might be coming off to you as maybe a shallow sermon may very well be that church's failure to build a firm foundation off of the word. My advice, keep looking. Not for me, but for the gift that is expounding the word. There's a shallow part of me that wants you to love Philip. That's my ego. But there's a gospel part of me that wants you to love Christ. And when you leave, I don't want you to be upset. I'm like, man, I need Philip. I want you to want the word, to crave Christ. Who cares what it looks like? Okay. Good. I'm, I'm glad five people really feel good about that. I know, I know, I'm working on my, my New Year's resolution, stop being passive aggressive on the pulpit, and you know, I love you guys, you guys know me, you guys know me. I, I want to I wanna kind of, again, we, we just talked briefly about a few gifts, right, and we're going to go deeper in the coming weeks, but I, I really want to kind of pay attention to and really kind of take this final several minutes to talk about like well, the purpose of the gifts right that's after all that's the title of the message um verse 12 kind of describes this threefold progression of purpose right these kind of three it's a progression of purpose that ultimately leads to what i feel is like the ultimate purpose so it's like the maybe the first purpose second purpose the ultimate purpose i don't know how that works but this is kind of this threefold purpose that that comes in a progression and i want to i want to i want to unpack that for you right i want to use my teaching gift right now to break that down for you well first paul tells us that his list of four gifts or, or five gifts are for the purpose of are you ready number one equipping the saints equipping the saints this means that some gifts equip the other gifts. Are you with me? Yeah. So there are some gifts that God has given to then equip the gifted. So the gifted equip the gifted. Are you, are, are you got, you do have that? I probably should put it up there so you can see it, but I don't have it on, my, on any slides. But this means that some gifts equip other gifts so that as the church gathers, like you are here today, 
right? One example of that is the shepherds and leaders, right? The teachers are called to guide them, shape them, prepare them. I love this one. Refine them, challenge them, inspire them, and empower them so that they might be useful in the kingdom of God. Do you want to be useful in the kingdom? Or do you want to be useless? And some of us Christians have been real useless in the kingdom. Now, you feel all that guilt, don't you? But thank God for Christ, right? Even in our disobedience sometimes, right? Or we get so overwhelmed, right? We get, there's so much going on. Sometimes we get a little self-centered. Thank God that Christ was selfless. Thank God that he was the ultimate server, that he got down and washed our feet. And some of you know there's forgiveness and righteousness, even for those in here that feel like, man, I feel like I don't do anything for the kingdom of God. I want you to know that there's beautiful invitation to receive the forgiveness of Christ, the work of Christ's ministry. But then in receiving that, allow that, that love and that joy to well up and motivate you to be useful for the kingdom of heaven again. Are you with me? Now watch this, as the word is expounded, as the life of Jesus is admired, amen? As the gospel is applied, passionless saints transform into passionate saints. Selfish saints turn into selfless saints. Lazy and complacent saints suddenly become active and productive. Immobile saints are mobilized. Aints become saints when the word is expounded, when the life of Christ is admired, and when the gospel is applied. We unleash what is called the ministry of the membership. The ministry of the membership. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen this guy performing on the streets? Yeah, I've seen him. Right? I mean, it's super funny at Pier 39. But it's absolutely tragic in the church. Let's just keep that image up here. Right? Super fun. Super cool. Super funny. Super gifted <laughs> at Pier 39. But absolutely tragic and sad in the body of Christ. Well, just leave that image there for a minute. Notice the Bible doesn't say shepherds and leaders are to do the heavy lifting in the church. Right? It's like Roger and Phil. Just kidding. I thought that would be funny. I got two laughs. <laughs> the Bible does not say the gifted members are simply to show up on Sundays and watch the show. That's not what, that's not what the Bible says. Now, please, you know, for those of you who have been here, you know that part of my teaching gift is a challenge. Yeah. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at my gift. <laughs> but this is the Bible. Like, I have to stand here and preach the word to you. I'm accountable not to your feelings. Yeah. I'm not accountable to your emotions. I'm accountable to God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm accountable. I stand on the revelation of the apostle and the prophets to teach, to unpack the word of God so that you would grow into the fullness. So that the body would not be a small body with a big head. If you want your ears tickled, there are plenty of shallow churches in the area. It's, it's interesting because, you know, there are some people <clears throat> that have been, like, serving in the same ministry for, like, 80 years with no relief. <laughs> right? Like, sister so-and-so, she was my, you know, Sunday school teacher. And she was faithful. And she was there for 30 years. Every Sunday, teaching the kids, right? Well, can I tell you two reasons why? Well, number one, she knew her gift, and she used it, and she found joy in that. 
It's a little different than today, right? We got a whole new world, right? We swung the pendulum, and I get it. We don't want to be unhealthy like at so-and-so, right? But, the, but she knew her gift, right? But number two, there were a bunch of people who weren't moving in their gift. Wow. There were a bunch of other Sunday school teachers and leaders that God had gifted that didn't step up to the plate. Are you with me? The Bible does not say, right, that here are the four or five gifted leaders and then everyone else just kind of watch, watch them do their thing. Now, the Bible says what? He's given us shepherds and teachers to what? Equip the saints for what? And here's the second part of the progression. Equip the saints for the work of the, say it with me, ministry. Say it again, ministry. So I'm going to say, equip the saints. Here we go. For the work of the ministry. You know what ministry means? It means serve. Do you know that? Did you know in the book of Samuel, young Samuel, young boy, dedicated to the Lord, 12 years old. He was given to the temple. The scripture says that he would minister before the altar. And a lot of you think, oh, wow, Samuel, like, prayed for people at the altar call. No, no, no. He would wipe the blood off. He would clean. Wow. He would serve. Wow. He would serve. Wow. He would serve. Saints, hear my heart. Hear my heart. You are all gifted. You are all gifted. But I think some of us are, are hoarding that gift. And as a shepherd, this used to be like a big frustration for me, but now it just saddens me. Because I wonder how much more Inspire could do in the East Bay. Like, I wonder if we're okay with the Crown Plaza on a Sunday, a couple of home groups throughout the week. Like, that's where we're at. We're eight years in. I sat with the pastor this week. He looked me in the eye. He said, hey, man, after eight years, typically this is what you're going to look like. Right? And, and because typically you kind of settle in, you get comfortable, you figure out your routines, right? And you just survive. Right? And so what saddens my heart is that I wonder how much more Inspire could be doing in the East Bay and beyond for the good of our city and the glory of God. If every self-proclaimed follower of Jesus in this place gave regularly, gave sacrificially, like, I, I, I wish we could connect our holding back to what's really going on. Right? What, what if every self-proclaimed follower of Christ in this room made a commitment to serve? Not because Pastor Phil gave guilt trips, but because Jesus is worthy and because there is a mission of ministry and there is a gift that you've been given. Thank you, Can I be really honest? Like if you really believe the Bible, right? Like if you really believed it to be true, how tragic would it be for you to stay immobile? And we have our excuses, don't we? We do. I mean, a lot of us are already. Right? But there's, there's a lack of trusting God in those excuses. There's a fear. Some of you are very afraid, very fearful. Listen, I'm not saying you're not a saint. But I am saying you might be spiritually a spiritual adolescent. I'm not saying that you're not a believer. I'm not questioning your love for Jesus. But I am questioning, do you look like Jesus? I'm not saying that you're not a believer, but I am saying that you may need to grow up. You may need to grow up. Verses 12 through 16 will expound upon the ultimate purpose of the gifts. Right? Every believer... For the equipping of the saints 
for the work of ministry. And here it is, so that what? The body of Christ, the church is built up. Built up. Built up. To build up is to grow up. Amen? This is the purpose of the spiritual gifts. This is what Paul refers to as mature manhood in verse 13, as opposed to a child in verse 14. Paul said it, not me. There's a danger of a church not operating in its gift. Did you know that? There's a danger. And I wish I had another hour, and I don't, so don't worry about it. We're coming to a landing here. Can I just give you a quick little list, just a quick little list of dysfunctions, dangers of churches that are not moving in their gifts. When churches are not moving in their gifts, not just a few, but when the whole is not moving in the gifts, we risk immaturity. We, we risk small, tiny, anemic body. you go on to read the text it'll 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 throw out some qualities and later this week if you want to go read the rest of ephesians chapter 4 um 12 through 16 it'll go on to list and i want you to just i'm going to give it to you really quickly i won't even have for you on the screens really quickly one of them is uh, an immature church has uh, uh, instability and it's corporate and individual so the whole church corporately is unstable but also individual what do i mean by that indecisiveness Flip-flopping, inconsistency, unable to discern the will of God. That's a sign of immaturity. How about this? Uh, Rootlessness, like you're not rooted. What does that mean? Fear of commitment. Can I get an amen? Amen. Fear of commitment. A lot of people are afraid to commit. The the scripture would call that, uh, uh, there's a fear there. There's not a trust in the gospel. There's a lack of maturity. Spiritually nomadic, wandering inconsistent, unable to settle down and experience the blessing of being connected and rooted to a body of believers. Directionlessness, right? No direction, lack of purpose and belonging. Mm, I hear that a lot. I feel like I just don't belong. I feel like I don't belong. I feel like I just don't get, you know, I don't, I don't make, I'm not connected. Well, you're not. Using the gift. Entering into the the community. You know what it means to enter into the community? Not just come on Sunday. It means to use the gift, to interact with the gifts. Not only to allow your gift to mature others, but allow their gift to mature you. You see how the body, the interconnectedness of the body is supposed to work? Y'all okay? I hope you still love me after this. Doctrinal deficiency. Doctrinal deficiency is another danger, right? Ignorant to the basic tenets of the faith, spiritually gullible, right? We got a lot of people susceptible to YouTube and TikTok theologians. Guess what? Presidential election's coming. We're going to see immaturity. Gullible. Susceptible to tribalism and political ideology and idolatry. It's coming. I'm concluding here. Maturity. Actually, final thing, and I want to invite the team to come forward. Final thing, actually, before I get into the concluding story. Immaturity looks like lack of sober judgment. Right? Right, the scripture says, don't be drunk with wine. Some of you need to write that down. It's been about three years since I've preached about alcohol. I think I probably, I might need to bring that thing back like once every year or something. It's like giving, serving, and alcohol. (laughs) Okay. Scripture says, don't be drunk with wine, right? But be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Well, the drunkenness is when you're drunk, there's no sobriety. There's no right reasoning. Right? So when someone is led of the Spirit, it's the opposite of being led by your emotions, Led by your feelings, taking everything personal. That's a sign of in- immaturity. You, you need the gifts to grow you up. Thank you. My son, poor guy. My son can't wait for Christmas every year. Dad, I can't wait for Christmas. I'm like, it just happened like three weeks ago. I can't wait for Christmas. He loves his family. He loves it. 
but he loves getting gifts. Oh, he loves getting gifts, right? That's nothing new. All of us who have children or been a child, like we all love to give gifts. He could care. He has, well, he has little concern for giving gifts. Little concern. But he loves to what? Yeah, he loves to receive gifts. Why? Because, you know, when he gets his gifts, he gets to open it, unpack it, break it out, play with it. It's all for him. Me. It's all about his joy, right? His stuff, his excitement, his satisfaction. Because, and I expect this because he's a child, right? He's eight. I expect immaturity. I expect him to anticipate Christmas and make it all about him. Are you with me? But because I'm a good father... And because I desire to raise my son up, build him up, mature my son, equip my son, I take key moments to speak to him. Not just about the importance of receiving gifts, but the importance of giving the gifts away. It's important for me to do that. Because if I don't raise my child up, in this understanding, if I don't start correcting him and, and holding him accountable, then I run the risk of him growing up to be a self-serving person who is only thinking about himself. And that is not the kind of man I want him to be. Are you with me? Now, if I were to do that for my son, I also, as a pastor shepherd, need to do that for my church. In fact, as I'm preaching this right now, I'm realizing my church and my son are around the same age. We got pregnant with P and then he was born and then we planned a church like a couple of months later. But it's my job as a father to teach him, mature him, build him up towards mature manhood so that he does not lead a selfish life. And that's the purpose of the gifts. You receive the gift to give the gift away. And that true maturity of a believer is not in the receiving of the gift, but in the giving of it away for the building up of the body in love. So that we all, as a church, can come to the fullness of the head of the one who is perfect of the one who is lovely, of the one who would lay down his life to serve mankind so that we would look more like Christ. That is the purpose of the gift. And so as we respond today in worship, would you take a moment to examine your heart? And then we'll pray. Hey, thank you for tuning in. And if you'd like to continue to bless the ministry financially, please give at inspirechurches.com. Have a beautiful day.